Good morning, good evening, good night, depending on where you are joining us today from. As you already may know, we are Copyrights World and uh, this is another uh, Instagram Live we do under the CN umbrella, which stands uh, for our uh, Creator Economy Network. It's our weekly podcast where we invite interesting people from the creator from the creator economy uh, universe uh, to talk about uh, interesting stuff we we like to think uh, about the social media about the creating process uh, about uh, you know new technologies coming in about uh, how you can use uh, the the web to monetize your craft uh, a lot of things a lot of things and uh, today we have a, a very very interesting one uh, his name is Brent Salvor Salvnor I hope uh, I pronounced that well it's Brent Salvnor um, let me tell you a couple of things uh, about today's guest. I'm going to read from my notes. So Brent is a United States Marine Corps veteran turned uh, into audio engineer, photographer, videographer, social media marketing consultant. Uh, after serving five years in the Marines and then deployment to Iraq, Brent made his way into the audiovisual world, working on documentaries with Forbes magazine, writing articles for various surfing magazines, producing commercial and shooting music videos for bands and events all over the US. Brent pursued a bachelor's degree in philosophy from the University of Southern Maine to better understand the brain and answer his lifelong question of why a particular piece of art or music resonates with someone. I'm going to ask him today if uh, he has successfully found the answer to that one because it's a tough one. Uh, taking a scientific approach and making the connection between art and the brain is a passion that keeps Brent moving and producing media, both audiovisual and helping companies connect the product to the consumer. Um, I have a lot of questions. I really have a lot of questions. I mean, uh, this guy was uh, a US Marine, moved to videographer, photographer, audio engineer. He does social media marketing consultant. He consultant uh, and he he has a bachelor degree in, in psychology. Very, very interesting character. And I think he will have a lot of things to say. Uh, let's bring him on, shall we? Good morning. Hello, Brett. How are you today? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm fine, thank you. Is it morning where you are right now? I believe it is evening where you're at, right? Yeah, yeah, it's evening. All right, so w w where are you located at the moment? Right now, I am in Pensacola, Florida, the Florida Panhandle. Not where Orlando oh, right. world's at. A lot of people think that, but way on the other side. On the other side. It's on the west side, right? Yes, that's correct. We're, we're considered lower Alabama to some people. <laughs> All right. Uh, I was reading your, uh, you know, your brief description, and uh, I mean, there are a lot of things there, and uh, a lot of things that uh, you know they don't match, but you you manage to to balance them in a way. So, 
let's talk about the present and we will go to the past as well. Uh, who are you and what you do? Yeah, so my name is Brent Shavnor. I'm an artist, engineer. I design audio video systems as well. It's kind of hard. I don't really categorize, like, categorize myself as in one thing. I like to, I think it was Jay-Z that says, I'm not a businessman, I'm a business. So that was a pretty cool quote that uh, they came out with. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's tough for me to really say what I do because I do a lot of stuff, but I, I'm in the audio video field, so I do anything from marketing to editing videos, creating music, managing portfolios, anything that has to do with content, I'm in it and I love it. Whoa, uh, you're like a, a jack of all trades in the, in the creative field. And uh, before that, you were a marine in the in the a marine veteran for the United States. Um, how did you decide to go that route at the beginning? Uh, to join the Marine Corps? Yeah. So I was a, I graduated high school at a normal age, and I actually went to the law enforcement academy. I wanted to be a cop. Horrible idea. Uh, went graduated that, then realized that's not the type of people I want to be around. Just didn't really vibe with the community. So I joined the Marine Corps. I, uh, I I really don't know why I, I didn't have a, a sense of direction when I was 18 years old. I wanted I wanted a sense of purpose. I wanted to do something that most people don't do. So I, I, I joined the Marine Corps and then not even six months after going to boot camp, I was in the middle of Iraq. But it was it was a, a decision to get my life on a track. I knew I needed to get on some type of track. And that was the fast track to do it. Because I mean, you you really learn how to grow up quick when you go to Marine Corps boot camp. How was, uh, I have to ask, I mean, uh, you had a deployment in Iraq and for, for all of us, this is something that we read in the news, you know, we read stories. H how was it for you? How was that experience? Um, I mean, what I can say about that is don't trust what you see on the news. It was a, it was liberating. I mean, we, we did a lot of great humanitarian things over, over in Iraq. It, what you see on the news is the over glorified, saturated vision of chaos, but I mean, it, initially it, it was like that, but by, by the time 2009, eight rolled around, we were really trying to, to do the right thing over there and, and liberate and, and help the people out. So it was, it was definitely eye-opening. It makes you really second guess yourself when you get upset in, your, in where we live and, and not a third world country, things that we take for granted. You go over there and I mean, just like go to a gas station to buy water, stuff like that is not feasible out in the middle of the desert. So it really grounds you at home and, and helps you humble yourself and appreciate what you have here. I see. Uh, and, and how was the transition? I mean, uh, from, uh, you know, from the Iraq, you, you come back and you, you, you it's, it's like you, you discover your creative self or you let it, you, you release it, this, uh, this creative energy, because you, you, you're doing so many things. How was that, that transition? It's a great question. So I actually brought my guitar to Iraq. I got in trouble. I wasn't supposed to do it, but I did it anyway. It's one of those better ask for forgiveness than permission type of deals. So yeah, I brought my guitar and I actually was made music there and it, that helped cope. But yeah, so that transition, being over there, I mean, it's chaos. It's, it's a war zone. It's, it's not, I'm not going to make it, put it lightly, but transitioning back from that and coming home and your friends are like, hey, let's go to Applebee's and you're still looking around like, I'm home now. That that's just a weird mindset. It's it's almost like you're in space for a year and you get out of space and you're just looking around like there's land, there's gravity. But I came back to the United States and people were just going back to Applebee's on a Friday, like nothing's going on. 
So it's weird transitioning from that chaos to just normal everyday life, like nothing ever happened. So that that definitely was was a challenge, but create being creative in the arts really helped out with that. Keeping mm -hmm. your mind. Would you say it, it, it's a healing process? I mean, uh, because create, creativity and uh, creating uh, music and uh, taking photos and videos, it, it's uh, it's something that comes from inside. It comes from the heart and it has to be, you know, you have to be devoted 100% to what you do. Do you think it was a, a distraction, if you will, from uh, the previous, uh, you know, views you had while you were there? I'm sorry, say that again. Uh, would you would you say that uh, taking the creative route would would uh, worked as a dis distraction uh, from from what you have experienced there? Yeah, absolutely. W without a doubt, humans. I, I'm a firm believer that humans are put on this planet to create. Whether that's art, whether that's creating buildings, concepts, ideas, we are all creators, and it's embedded in our DNA. So when you're not creating, I think it's going against your biological nature of humanity. So yeah, when, when there's things that, that are crippling you, if you go back to your roots and, and think about what, I mean, what did you like creating when you were a kid? That gives you an idea of what you probably would like doing when you're an adult, because a lot of times that doesn't change. If you were an artist when you were a kid, chances are you still like to draw today. But the, having that creative outlet is, I mean, it's it's so super important when you're trying to distract yourself or, or cope from from something that happened. I, I mean, I 100% agree. I couldn't agree more. I mean, um, I believe there is a creator inside every one of us, and uh, our lifestyles uh, hides that that side of, of ourselves. Because um, until now, at least, being a creator was not uh, you know a job. It was not easy to make a living out of it. But um, looks like these days with the creator economy booming and all the tools available to all creators online, this uh, you know, it becomes a reality for a lot of people because they can do what they like, they can do what they love and make a living out of it as well. How do you see this creative economy booming happening uh, the last years? I, I see, I mean, we see it right in front of our face right now. And I, I think it's only gonna grow from here because you've given everybody the ability to have their voice heard not only their voice but their artwork heard because anybody now can use their smartphone to go take a picture of something upload it to instagram and it can go viral and next thing you know you've got an audience you've got people looking at you like what's next and that's just from having an everyday device that i would say almost every human has now a smartphone you can create anything from that smartphone and the information on how to create and how to get your work out there and how to be seen is readily available on that phone too. I mean, you can literally YouTube anything now as far in the creative industry. So yeah, I mean, everybody has the ability to create something now and, and get their work out there. And I think to answer your question, it's gonna keep growing and it's gonna keep growing. It's almost surreal if you think about it. I mean, uh, before you, you, you could have the excuse of, uh, I don't have the, you know, the, the equipment I need. I don't have the light. I don't have the, the the right guitar or you know the the amp to 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 make to take that sound but these days everything is available and it's not something that costs that much with as you said with a smartphone you can be creative and you can reach your audience right away uh, do you see like this is going to happen more and more uh, it's uh, in in the, in the forthcoming years so there's two parts to that i i absolutely the the capability 
of somebody producing music, art, and getting it known at an affordable rate is there. But one thing that I've noticed, and I, I, I don't think this is going to change, is imposter syndrome. Most people suffer from imposter syndromes. I'm not good enough. I don't have enough money. I can never create something like that because I don't have the gear. So you have to figure out how to overcome that part first, That the self, conquer the self, before you can tap into the resources that's readily available. So until people really figure out how to overcome that imposter syndrome, I, I really don't think we're going to see a, a curve that follows the readily available technology to create, if that makes sense. I know I'm going down a weird mm -hmm. rabbit hole, but yeah. So I think Gary Vaynerchuk said it, said it the best. It's like, listen, I can give you my formulas. I'll give you every single formula I ever created to build my million dollar empire, but none of you are going to follow it because it takes work. It takes dedication and you actually have to put the time in. So those are two separate things like the, the actual work dedication part versus having the technology and, and means. So when people really realize that and grasp that, I mean, you, you just become unstoppable. Mm -hmm. And uh, like you mentioned, Gary, uh, he says that everything I know it's on online. I mean, I talk, and, and if you follow, I know you follow him. Uh, he, he, he gives everything away, but you have to, first of all, believe in yourself, which is something very difficult. And I know this is a, the psychology uh, part of yours kicking in, you know, in, into the conversation, and and of course you have to put on the uh, put the work, and a lot of people believe because, um, as you said, you don't you, you can't trust the news, and all those overnight uh, you know successes uh, that took years to develop, and the news just uh, you know brought the spotlight on on the day the success happened, have made people believe that it's easy to do things. It's easy to, be, to become famous online and to, 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 to just be an artist. And if you are an artist and you put your, your work online, miracles will happen. But that's not the case. You have to put on the, put on the work and, and you have to be, uh, you, have, you have to have like a business side in, in your brain. Would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. And, and I, there's a, another good quote. It's, uh, I forgot who, who said this, but that basically, if you think about it in terms of baking a cake, right, the, the world does not care what the color of your skin is. The universe doesn't care who you are, where you came from, your gender. If you follow the recipe to bake a cake, you put the ingredients in, you follow it to a T, you're going to bake a cake. It doesn't matter. There's no unseen force fighting against you to stop yourself from baking that cake. And the same thing goes with business. There's a formula from sales to marketing to creating. The formula is out there. It's readily available. And if you follow it, you will become successful. You put the work in, it, it will work. And that's cool because it's, I would say a hundred years ago, you didn't have that ability. I mean, not even 40 years ago, you couldn't do that. Cause no, like in, in the recording industry, the producers and their record labels pretty much monopolized the field. So unless you knew somebody in that field, you didn't have a shot. Now you've got Spotify, YouTube, and recording interfaces that are this big that you can plug in your computer and make an album out of your basement. So, I mean, there's really, really no excuses it's, now. It's amazing. It's amazing what has happened and what is going to happen because we live in the era where the intermediaries get out of the way. So uh, the, the creator can connect directly to his audience and to his uh, fan base, but he needs to know uh, a bit of marketing, a bit of business. And I believe, and we, when we talk to our customers, what we find out is that 
that's the, the lack they have in the brains that, okay, I'm an artist, I do my art, where, where is the, the audience? You have to put, put on the work and you have to, to, to do a bit of marketing, to do a bit of business, uh, building and development. How do you, I mean, in your relationship with the artists, how do you pass that idea in, in their heads? So I will, I'll, rec I'll take this in, in terms of music. I think it'd be easier. So a lot of musicians and recording artists will say, um, I'm losing my train of thought here. What was the question again? How, how do you convince the artists to, you know, to, to have that uh, mentality, to be marketeers, to be business persons and artists as well? So from a music perspective, what I tell engineers is like, hey, you need to learn Instagram, like your digital audio workstation, which is where, where, like the software they make the music in, or an artist. You need to learn Instagram like you know Photoshop or Lightroom. Instagram is a tool. It is a tool for you to get your work out. So it's that, that gap of I'm not a marketer. If some people really, their brain just cannot do it. They cannot understand the concept of marketing. But as an artist, I think it's so important because you need to be in touch with what your product is gonna do in the real world. You need to know where your product is gonna sit. If your art that you're creating is up to standards, if it's modernized, if it's what people want, and that's where your, your marketing and your research skills come into effect. So, I mean, some people are, are, some artists are blessed to be able to outsource all of that. That obviously takes a lot of money, but starting off, yeah, you've gotta learn marketing and you've gotta learn sales, but the good thing is it's really not hard. There's books and there's classes that teach you the basics of marketing most people when they think marketing they think numbers stats and all the boring stuff from from college but it's really not it's about how to get your artwork in front of your fans that should excite you mm -hmm. once we we are in the social media field uh, do you believe uh, the, the top platform for anyone to to start uh, at this point uh, would be instagram that you mentioned it, it really depends so for me, it's Instagram because I'm a little bit of an older generation and we started off on Instagram, but starting off, if you're doing music or making videos, TikTok is where it's at right now. I mean, it's their algorithms are, are a lot more up to date than Instagram, but as far as quality and conversion goes, I would stick with Instagram and Facebook because most people on Instagram and Facebook, you can convert a lot easier. And for those that don't know what that means, that means buy your product or some people, conversion means a, a follow. So... Yeah, I, I definitely would, wouldn't steer clear from Instagram and Facebook, but TikTok for sure is blowing up. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the organic reach there is crazy. It is. Sometimes I wonder if it's really natural or not because of the amount of... It's like uh, on some video games will give you aim assist so you, you get that instant gratification. Sometimes I wonder if TikTok is boosting views to, to keep people engaged. Hmm. Some, I mean, that's, a great, that's a great question. I see people post stuff with like a thousand followers getting 30,000 views on a, a video that really, I mean, no offense to them, it, it wasn't a video that 30,000 people would watch, but somehow it happened. So yeah, I'm a little, little confused with TikTok right now, but it's definitely popping. It is, it does. But in, in terms of uh, converting, as you mentioned, um, I mean, in, in Facebook, you have links, you have uh, all the tools you need to convert someone to something, to a lead or to a follow or to, to give you your, your, his email address. On TikTok, there, there are no such things at this moment. Uh, how would you use TikTok to convert someone? 
if are you using TikTok first of all? Are, are I, you a member? I'm not very prevalent on it. I'm I'm my philosophy is stick to the stuff that you know and, and you're good at. So I, I really stick to LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. I do have a TikTok, but I really don't that's something that, that I automated and really haven't thought of too much. But yeah, you're right. The the business analytical tools aren't aren't there yet. But uh, in, Instagram has it. And and one thing I really do like about Instagram is it makes it really easy for you. Let's say if you're you're an art a cupcake artist, right? You you create these amazing cupcakes and you've got a bakery. If you're looking for people, all you have to do is go find another cupcake store that looks like yours and go look at who's following them and they've got 10,000 people then boom. That's 10,000 people that like your vertical that you know like gourmet cupcakes. So you can go interact with those 10,000 people. I believe you can do that on TikTok too. But Instagram makes it more transparent who's following mm -hmm. who. What do you mean interact with them? How would you so, do it practically? That's a good good point. So go down and find people's profile that aren't private. I mean, if you're a business person, you got to kind of be a stalker and, and do your do your research. Go down <laughs> 10,000 of them start at the top, go through, click the profile, look at them, see what they like, get an idea of who they are because that's your customer. Those are the people that you need to be in touch with and really know like the back of your hand. Go like a couple of their pictures. And then, I mean, don't pitch to them. Never. I'm a huge advocate of don't do that. Don't go send them a message saying, hey, come check out my cupcake store. Leave a message on one of their pictures saying beautiful photography. And they're gonna be like, who the heck is John's Cupcakes? They look at your page like, oh, that looks like the other page I follow. Follow. Next thing you know, they see a picture of your cupcake a week later and they're in your store. So being genuine, really providing value to people by going like honest feedback, going making comments to people that are helpful, that make them feel important. You do that a hundred times a day. I mean, that's potentially, I'd say 33 followers a day. If you look at a 33% conversion, I mean, that's, you can, you can that's really block Instagram doing that. I mean, and the numbers don't lie if you add up 33 times. I don't want to do the math now, but 30 days in the month, that gets yeah, up there in a month. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's about a thousand followers per month, and it, it's not bad. And it's it's fully organic, fully targeted. I mean, it, it's real. Not, not anyone. It's real people that really care about what you do. And uh, here, I'd like to mention that this is about the hustling and scaling the uh, unscalable things. Uh, a lot of people are into automations. I love automations myself but some things cannot be automated. I mean, human interaction cannot be automated. It's not something that is feasible at this time. The AI and the machine learning and all the stuff hasn't come to, you know, to that point to be natural and to feel natural. So you have, again, to put up the work and do one by one, talk to the people, leave the comments, do the like, and be meaningful. Absolutely. I, I think one of my best sales advice was imagine everybody has a sign on their neck that says, make me feel special. If you do that 30 times a day or 100 times a day, I mean, just in your personal life, too, it really builds karma and it's a habit. So you get used to doing that and you're just spreading positive energy. Naturally, people are going to flock to you and, and, and buy your product, want to be around you because, I mean, you're, you're doing a good thing to humanity. So it, it's really double dipping by spreading positivity and your business at the same time. Wow, that, uh, that sign, uh, it's a great idea. If you imagine that, I mean, you, you know what to, what to say, uh, how to react. But, you know, we are not always in the mood. How, how do you do that daily without being in the mood? How do you go into that mindset that I have to do it and I have to be um, authentic 
I have to be, you know, direct and I have to make the other people feel special. How do you go about that? I mean, it, it really all boils down to having that burning desire inside of you to want to succeed. So you have to wake up every morning, build good habits. So every day when you wake up, your life starts with a habit from the from getting out of bed, brushing your teeth, everything you do is a habit. So you have to build this social media, I would say branding into one of your daily habits. So it's just something you do. It's not something that, oh, I've got to do this. It's just something you do every day. It's part, it's built into your, to your routine. You do it enough times, it really doesn't become a, a daunting task. It's, oh, that's a new, that's 33 more people that could potentially buy my product today. That's, that could be four conversions. So if you're selling a $100 product, and that's potentially $400 coming in. So you think about it, you itemize it and break down your tasks and really understand why you're doing it. Why, like, why am I going through this other page and looking through their followers and, and interacting with them? And then all of that together should make it really easy for you to have your why when you wake up, why am I doing this? And then and make it happen. That's a, a great point. I mean, we have uh, get used to it online to talk in the, in the thousands and in the millions and, the, the, you know, taking, uh, looking on only to those kind of numbers, but we leave, uh, you know, money on the table when we don't collect the low hanging fruits. And uh, if you do that daily, it, 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 you know, it becomes bigger, bigger every day. It, it's a great tip. And I believe everyone should be doing that, should be looking at what I can do today to get, you know, myself in a, just a bit better position than I was yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. And it takes 15 minutes. I mean, think about how many things you do. I mean, you've got from the time you're awake to the time you go to bed, Think about 15 minutes in perspective. It's really not that much. And a lot of people will say, oh, I don't have the time to do that. I'm like, bro, you just finished season six of The Walking Dead. What do you mean you don't have the time? <laughs> yeah, that's really true. Uh, so you, you are big in Instagram. I mean, you, you do have a, a, quite, quite a following. Uh, how did you achieve that? What's your secret? So, I mean, I, I just told you guys really the, the interacting part, but Instagram's weird. I mean, I started like, four years ago and I actually started with real photography then what really started blowing it up was getting my name into magazines and working with bigger brands and that happened just by reaching out to them obviously having content that's that's okay it, when I first started it was nothing to write home about but I was able to create content that still looked professional didn't really go viral but just reaching out to companies and, and telling them like hey do you guys need services and then really guerrilla marketing from there so uh, I read here you had a collaboration with Forbes magazine. Uh, is that how, how that happened? I mean, you, you reached out to them? Uh, with Forbes magazine, I actually was working with a, a real estate agent who's a Forbes listed and a couple more. And we did a documentary with Forbes. They came down and we filmed for a few days on a, it was a, I actually forgot what the documentary was about. It's so long ago. But yeah, so Forbes will pay production companies to do films and I was part of the production company. So I've done a lot of uh, documentaries. I was actually just in a Peacock film that, that was uh, released on Peacock a couple weeks ago for a, uh, are, were you familiar with the Gabby Petito case and, and Brian Laundrie? It was, no, a, no. It, was a huge, it was a huge story in the United States about a van lifer that ended up murdering his fiance. So I was helping do forensic footage for that. And then it, uh, it ended up going viral on uh, Twitter. This is my first time going viral on Twitter. I, uh, 
found some edited some video and it, it helped with the case out tremendously and then I had a bunch of news agencies coming over and, and doing some filming but that was really the same concept just diving into it and and working at it every day on that for the Gabby Petito case I mean putting in ungodly amount of hours going through footage and and combing it but that that happened that went viral and that boosted my my Twitter for the first time but it but the, the the lesson is is really putting the work in. You got to put the work in. Yeah, putting the work in and uh, and don't be hesitant and don't be shy to you know to, to reach out and to ask for things and to to be there because if you're not around, nobody will notice you and nobody will uh, take you for you know for 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 work or, or for collaboration. You have to be around. Oh yeah, always. At, I mean, people. For me, I've always been like that, so it wasn't it was natural for me. But you'd be amazed at how many people don't negotiate a salary when they start a job. Like you should be negotiating that when you start a job, negotiate your salary. That's that's normal. Negotiate pay. I mean, negotiate ask for stuff. If you don't ask, you're not going to get it. Like, exactly. Exactly. It, yes, it's 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 a not a lot of humans are afraid of rejection. They don't like when people say no, but you got to get over that. That's. I mean, it, it. I know it's easier said than being done, but you got to really got to focus and learn how to get over the rejection part. <laughs> that's training. I mean, that's something that you get used to. It. I mean, you you will feel a bit, you know, you feel bad if you get rejected. The next time you feel a little less bad, and then you know, you you have to get used to it, as you said, because it's part of the job. It's like uh, to build a success. It's a it's a series of failures. So. You have to be there and you have to to cope and learn to love love the failures like it's your brain's a really weird organ and you can you can literally trick yourself into getting excited about rejection. I know that's weird, but you can really hype yourself up and be like, I can't wait for this person to say no or they're gonna say I mean you really don't you don't want don't want to put that into the reality, but you should always know in the back of your head and have a backup plan if somebody says no that you don't even care because you're you're already past it. So you, you create these boundaries inside of your head that you can really help fight rejection. Gary Vee says that a lot too. He's like, I love to lose because when you lose, you learn. So you should really look forward to that. And then if somebody rejects you, don't make, if somebody rejects your salary negotiation, rejects your job offer, don't say thank you and move on. Ask them why. Get the feedback. You need to know why they didn't go with you. It might be something that it was completely out of con your control, but you need that feedback so you can improve. And don't be afraid to ask for the feedback because it's super important. That's pretty interesting. And I, I know a lot of people that struggling with failure and uh, accepting, uh, you know, rejections. Um, can you talk about a, a, a little more about that? How do you? trick your mind how is there a, a method that people can follow and you know become better yeah so think about every success story has failures in it so you have a success story that's already written you just have to follow it so in your success story there are failures along the way so when you hit a failure tell yourself hey I'm at this point in my story now that's good that means I'm improving my story I'm getting to where I want to be if you're not failing you're not getting to your goal Failures are steps closer to your goal. So every time you hit a failure, you're like, I'm closer to my goal because it's the truth. You fail, you learn. You're not going to be flawless the whole time. Your batting average is not going to be perfect. You're not going to throw every touchdown. You got to make failures to learn. So just 
be in touch with reality, which the reality is you fail to succeed. So just tell yourself that, hey, this is a failure. It's okay. I got a couple more in the plate coming down, but who cares? Because that means I'm, reach I'm reaching my goals. Wow. That's how I do that's it. A great, that's a great thing to imagine. I mean, if, if you imagine where you are and the end goal and every failure is a step, it's progress. So you, you anticipate, you, you want to fail because you are, you are getting closer as you, as you move on. I mean, that's, that's amazing. That's a great trick. That's a great Love trick. But Gary, a lot of people, when they hear Gary say that, they're like, what do you mean? Why would I want to lose? But Gary can see the big picture looking forward, not being, not being pigeonholed and looking at what's in front of you. Like, look, look out, look, look far ahead. And, and those failures will be, they'll, they'll be milestones for you. I mean, we all have. Um, what's your take on, uh, on NFTs, uh, the metaverse and all those things, you know, that happen and are going to happen in the near future? How do you see creators uh, in that picture? And how do you see the big platforms in that picture? I, I think we're going to run into some huge problems here in the next couple of years between the government regulations with social media, the fact checking, and really creator equity. Like, like, I mean, I know, I know you guys are huge on this. If you're a social media influencer and you spent your whole life building up your Instagram platform, you've got 2 million followers, that's your business. At any point in time, Instagram could just shut you down. Like, imagine opening up a store and being in business for 10 years and the government just comes and says, you're done. No questions asked, no due process, shuts you down. So now that there's so much equity and there's a lot of cash flow moving, I mean, a lot of people in social media make a lot of money. I think you're going to have some serious lawsuits coming down the pipe here in the next couple of years that are going to change the way these platforms are managed. And I don't, I don't know if it's going to be a government interaction or intervention. I, I really, I don't know, but I think something's going to be happening soon. And I really would like to see it put in the hands of the creators and not a government entity. So the creators, if they could somehow blockchain the process, get rid of the Zuckerberg. I hope he's not listening to me right now. Get rid of, get rid of them. <laughs> somehow blockchain the regulations on social media. That way it's not, there's no human motive to what content comes out, what content goes away. There's no bias. There's no political bias. In fact, I, would, I would love to see it go that way, but I'm a, I'm a little frightened at, at the way it's turning right now. Mm -hmm. So you're looking, uh, you would like to see a decentralized future where uh, everything, uh, there's not a single entity handling the, I mean, the, the curation of the content and uh, who is on, who is off. And as you said, uh, the audience must belong to the creator. The creator should be able to, to move his audience from platform to platform. Would you agree with that? I agree 100%. And I think, I think audiences would like that too, because if they're, I mean, a lot of people, um, a lot of people's creators are getting kicked off social media, so they don't know where to go. They have to download a completely new app to follow them. I mean, that, so, I mean, a lot of people look up to people, they just disappear. That sucks. And they, does, I mean, they find them again. As um, as the creator equity, as you as you mentioned, uh, grows because it does grow, and the the the, the creator community grows as well. Um, do you see creation as uh, as an asset getting more value, becoming more viable? Uh, yeah, I, I think it I think it is, and I think it always has. Um, and you're talking about creating content online. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Because, okay, yeah. 
Yeah, before, if you think about it, the only way you can consume content was looking on a TV that was hooked up to a radio broadcast or listening to a radio. So content wasn't as readily available as it is now because now you can look at your phone 24-7 and have content. So the demand for content has gone up tremendously over the past 10 years. There's more streaming services. Everybody needs to be fed content 24-7. So because the demand for content has gone up, that means the demand for creators has gone up tremendously. That's why when you go to Walmart, Target, or I don't know what kind of department stores you have where you're at, if you look in the electronic section, what you're seeing now are ring lights and selfie sticks and podcast kits. Never in a million years would I guess that would be a consumer great thing that's being put out, but they have a whole podcast section in, in Walmart right now, which really shows you that the creative industry is is booming. And when I was a uh, when I was in college, I actually worked in a psych hospital with teens and and children. And it was interesting that a lot of the children's idea of what they want to be when they grow up is a YouTube star or a Twitch video game streamer. And if you, I mean, if we would have said that as kids, our parents would have looked at us like we we're crazy. But now it's it's normal. I mean, my or, or guy, gamers. Yeah, there's a guy that created this Mario YouTube or kid that actually lives not too far from me. Him and his girlfriend are driving Lamborghinis around town right now because they're <laughs> and they're super well, Mario. That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Um, um, I mean, what we do, we are copyrights world, and what we do is we create tools for creators in order to you know help them protect their creations and monitor them online. Um, and we see that this is something that becomes more and more vital as time goes by because. Uh, Creators are more. Creators are more aware of uh, of the value of what they create. Um, would you say that you are concerned about uh, your uh, work getting stolen or getting fridged or getting used by others without your consent? So, it I'm a little bit different when it comes to that because when I when when my stuff goes viral, it's it's uncontrollable. It's going to get spread and people are going to use it. I mean, some of my stuff has been all over the world. Now if I saw it in a in a on a product, like actual merchandise, yes, that's that's different. But people resharing it, it's inevitable. It's gonna happen. I I don't think that we're gonna be able to stop that. And and I accept that my work now kind of belongs to the public because I'm not really making money off of my artwork. It's more of a I just want to create it for the people. Like my my services, editing, video, music, I do charge for all that, but my artwork is a way of giving back. But yeah, if I saw that other people were making money off of it, absolutely in, in infuriating. But yeah, I think I'll, yeah, that's exactly where I was, what I was referring to because you know sharing is helping you. I mean, yes, because that's why we're online because we want to share something and this you know uh, propagation effect uh, will help that spread and get yourself, your name out. Uh, but if if other people using your work to, to make money and to or to to say that it's their work, uh, I don't think that's uh, well to be tolerated. Yeah, it's not. And a lot of times you're I mean, the community will jump on people too. I, I get tags all the time that people posting my work without credit or anything like that. But yeah, yeah, as far as using it for profit, I think it's increasing, and a lot of times it's out of ignorance too. A lot of people will True. purchase this from from stock sites that stuff wasn't uploaded with that with the artist permission. 
So a lot of it's out of willful or out of ignorance. They, they just didn't know. But yeah, it's definitely problematic. And as as the demand and supply goes up, it, you're going to have a, a yep. bigger. And it's not really now, regulated. It, 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 we are early days in that aspect, and uh, I, we see a lot of people thinking that everything uh, that uh, comes out of, of a Google search is free. I mean, you, uh, they go to Google Images, uh, they search for something, and they believe that all these images are free to use, but that's not the case. You have to see who that image belongs to, ask for permission, and then use it as you would do I mean, in, the real, uh, in real life, as we used to say, uh, you know, as old dudes, um, you have a, a great question that uh, comes out, you know, from your brief. I mean, you went to University of Maine to to do a psychology bachelor's, and uh, your main reason was to to answer a question: why a particular piece of art or music resonates with someone? Any answers there? Not yet. I'm getting there, but yeah. So basically, with like social media, there's a formula, right? Like, get your product in front of as many people as possible, make it appealing. The question, though, is what is appealing? Why why do some people gravitate towards some types of music, and why do people gravitate towards others? Why does some music to some people sound incredible, but to somebody else sounds completely appalling? So, like, I want to, uh, my lifelong question is figuring out why. Like, what characteristics of that piece of art? influence that person or why does that person see it differently it's always been fascinating to me yeah it's, it's a great question i mean a, for example in music is there a, a series of notes that resonates with everyone uh is it a melody that uh, sounds good to everyone or is it uh you know it depends it's like food i mean i, I don't know any food that uh, you know resonates with anyone everyone People have tastes, people have di different palettes. So uh, is that the case with art? What do you believe? What you, no, what we find out, what do you do believe? And it, it gets weird too, because then there's some food that nobody likes, but then there's some food that 99% of people like. So it's not like there's there's one piece of that that, that True. answer. Yeah, it's, it's weird. And that's, it's, it's a phenomenon to me. Yeah, and I, I, I have no answer really. I wish but I did. You are, you are in, in the process of finding them out. I did. Thanks to Lady Gaga singing jazz ensemble. <laughs> cool. Uh, so uh, what, what do you do today? And uh, I, I see you're, you, you do editing, you do photography, you do all those creative stuff, but you are a social media consultant as well. Uh, what does that mean? How would you help a creator or a business? with your, their social media? So I actually, uh, right now, I'm designing audio video systems for the federal government. I do a lot of command and control centers, federal contracting, but what um, my clients, is from the social media perspective, I manage- Sorry, what, what does that mean? Uh, so, you, you design? Uh, yep. Yeah, so I build, uh, I mean, I don't know if you guys can see, but I'm in a studio right now. So I build, I'm a, I build a big command and control centers for the government. Basically, when when uh, they're flying drones around and they need to send those feeds back and brief, I, I build those rooms out. So that's what I do primarily: build studios and, and acoustic treated rooms and things like that. But as far as the uh, consulting side of it, I manage brands, their social media, and help them come up with strategies to market their branding. I worked with Guy Harvey for for a while. Actually, that was one of one of my my other customers. 
and then we we would help brands launch as well start brands that are starting off figuring out what logo they need to go with their color schemes how they're going to talk to their customers their posting schedule really coming up with a solid plan and then helping them get on their feet we helped a lot of businesses launch all right so are you are you doing the creating as well you, you create the 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 posts and the videos people share yes i do i do that a lot for people absolutely because that's that's the hardest part to be honest is is creating so there's two things there's content creation versus curation with curation it, it's we basically we'll give them links to shutterstock or story blocks where there's already uh images and videos that that are licensed out to them and then they'll just pull from that and post it for their ads or we'll actually go out and shoot commercials edit the video audio create the whatever ad they need or campaign and then teach them how to post it or if we're doing the whole the whole package we'll actually do it for them Mm -hmm. uh, we have a we have a question here. Uh, how do you make the content strategy for them? What's the so process? I will. That's a good question. I will refer. So my last one was a, a beach service. It's a, a gentleman who owns about 500 beach chairs and umbrellas down the beach, and he they were looking at building their Facebook platform out. So what I did was I went out on the beach and I met with people, talked to their their actual people on the ground to get an idea of what the conditions are like their customers. I mean, I'm from the area, so I kind of know already, but basically develop a strategy on what can we do on social media that will sell more chairs and put people in chairs. So then for that, it was, it was a multi-part plan really uh, from giving away free vacations to the condos that they were connected to, to uh, interacting with the people, asking them how their stay is, where they're going, basically just asking them questions. Cause when you ask people questions, it makes them feel good and then getting them to post pictures of their beach life in, on on social media. So when they're on their chair, they got their feet in the water, trying to get them to post those so people can see the Sunset Beach Service logo and then uh, know that they are the go-to in the area for that. So really flooding content was the goal. And there were some Google issues. They had some pretty poor Google ratings. So going through and cleaning that, that's a huge thing. Because I mean, I, I grouped that in with being social media as well, your your Google reviews. So we went through and cleaned a lot of that up. But as far as the content strategy, I mean, really getting on uh, Instagram and Facebook and looking at what other beach services are doing that are successful and then copying them really, I mean, obviously not taking their pictures, but uh, looking at like what kind of pictures are they posting? How often are they posting? What colors are they using? And things like that. Mm -hmm. Cool, so it's different every time. You have to adapt to what you have and what the business is about. Cool. Uh, Brent, this is getting a bit uh, long. So let's finish up with three questions, wrap it uh, around. First of all, favorite book? Uh, actually, I actually have my bookshelf here. It's hard. Um, I would say Outliers. I think that's Malcolm. Outliers? I think that's Malcolm Gladwell. Okay. Yeah, great, great book about where he followed around. It, uh, basically, it's success is persistence trumps talent is what i got out of that book that he followed people with high iqs and you had to control people that didn't have high iqs in school and followed him for i think it was like 15 years and the people that had the high iqs weren't socially inept they, they didn't know how to negotiate they didn't know how to talk their way into things but the guys that did know how to talk their way into things were the successful ones so basically it was just because you're not a good test taker 
Just because you didn't have a high IQ doesn't mean you can't be successful. Very I, I basically almost failed out of high school and somehow graduated college with a 3.8 GPA. So it may really, none of that matters what the book was about. So it's outliers, right? Outliers, yep. Outliers. Anybody uh, else self-doubting yourself, that's a great book. Cool. Uh, how about a favorite uh, influencer? Who do you follow? Favorite influencer right now? Um, I really do like Gary Vee because of his energy. He's probably, I mean, I'll go back. He's, yeah. He's the one that, that got me into shape, so I would, I would pick Gary Vee. Cool. Yeah, Gary Vee is a, an influence for a lot of people. And uh, a final thought, uh, I give you a microphone that gets, it's so big that whatever you say on that microphone gets delivered to, to everyone in the world. What do you say? That's a great question. I don't want to butcher the quote is, uh, I forgot who said it, but if you tell yourself you can't, you won't. If you tell yourself you can, you will. Let's, call, let's finish this conversation with that quote because it's an amazing quote. Brent, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being here today. Yeah, thank you. I, I really appreciate you reaching out to me. This was fun. Looking forward to talking again. Sure, sure. Bye. Have fun. Bye-bye, everybody.